Torque Fusier Andalite Zerks and Taxon that you managed to get some earbuds. Welcome, folks, to the Wonder Yerks. For all your Animorphs rewatching and eventual rereading needs, I'm Sarah, and I got stuck in my Sarah Morph, so now I'm a Nothlet, and Luna is dead. I'm Seda, and I take issue with the thought that the. Because that, that would mean Tobias is dead, and I'm not into that. Long live the new flesh, baby. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Wonder Yerks. And uh, uh, Seda, introduce yourself. I did. I said I'm Seda, and then I said I have oh, yeah, a problem with you implying that Tobias is dead. <laughs> yeah, but he'll get that. He'll get back eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so what's up? How you doing? I'm good. Um, better than I have been. <laughs> Way better than Hell I have yeah. been. Yeah. Hell I yeah. Uh, I I saw the mountain goats, and it was a really good and important night that I feel like has kickstarted me feeling like a human being sometimes again. So it's nice. Nice. Yeah. Just like that song from Drive. Like what song? A real human being and a real hero, a real human. Did you ever see Drive? Um, I tried to, I think, but I know, I know the reference now. I've seen the memes online. Okay, fair. On yeah, the, I've seen the you know like the JPEGs. The J- yes, I I um I I've also seen some PNGs. Oh, I've never seen a PNG. Uh, I saw a bump once. Oh no, I don't I don't allow those on my computer. <laughs> that like and if you ever see when you just totally like, break the computer that you're looking at, that's why you that's why you're broke all the time because someone keeps posting PNGs and you have to break your laptop. Uh yeah exactly. I break it and then I give it away. <laughs> you, I just like the idea of you like breaking it over your knee, like Bane to Batman style, mm-hmm. and giving it to like a small child and just be like, "Here, this is yours now." I like to just walk up to people in coffee shops and go, "Take this." I saw a PNG and I hated it. <laughs> I do sometimes oh, ask if they. Those- I ask if they want to trade for their laptop, and they usually say no, but sometimes they <laughs> say absolutely not. So. <laughs> oh my god, you just can't stand those transparent backgrounds. You I need white it. space back there. It's terrible. I like my images to be square, please, and I like to know the boundaries of them. I like to look at an image and say, oh, that's how big that image is, and I know because I can see the corners. You know what? That's 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 a that's a pretty valid response to this day and age. In this day and age, you can't be too sure of anything, you, can you? Exactly. You got to see the corners. It's like why well, Just like just like just just like Rachel said in this episode, some of the squirrels might be her friends. You got to you, you can't take the world as it seems. You got to know what you can. Uh, I, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not having a stroke right now, but like, I don't know what words are coming out of my mouth. It's okay. I under I, I see where your segue <laughs> attempt was coming from. I don't. Can you um, tell me where? Can you elucidate me? It was, it, it, it's like how when you look at something, you see it. And it's kind of like how Rachel's like, you got to look at stuff. <laughs> That's her famous catchphrase from the books. Yeah, you got to look at That's, stuff. That's my, what Rachel always says. You, you got to look at stuff. My name's Rachel. Last name, I can turn into big cat and I, you got to look at stuff. <laughs> That's my Animorphs tattoo. That I got when I was eight. It's, <laughs> Damn, you were you were a hard eight year old. It's very stretched out right now. You cannot read it. I was shorter than I am now. Where'd you get it tattooed? 
Oh, I did it myself. <laughs> but where? Like, where on your body did you tattoo? Oh, where on my body? Um, up and down. It's sort of like a side piece, but like like a three-quarter view from the back. So it's like half hidden by my arm when I've got my arm down. Yeah. Sort of like on the okay. on the ribs, but like hidden. When we did our live episode, you were wearing long sleeves pretty much the entire time, so I didn't really get a chance to see it. Yeah, well, like I said, it is on my torso, so I would have had to be wearing no shirt, uh, which, like, I, I could wear... I could technically wear sleeves and no shirt, I guess, but I don't... I mean, if you were if you were if you were truly goth enough, you could just wear a fishnet top. I absolutely did that that weekend. So, I <laughs> oh my god, you are living my you are living my best life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get a fishnet top. Once I get the titty skills back on board, I'm going to buy one of those. Yeah, for sure. Like fishnets are just good as hell. Yeah, they are. Fuck yeah. Speaking of fish, those kids sure did turn into animals, huh? <laughs> That's a better segue than mine, but like barely. Uh, I disagree. I think it was much better. Um, <laughs> we we start with a cold open uh, where Rachel is getting ready for like a hike with her dad. And yep. she's trying on outfits and he's like, you know, we're going to be like, in nature, right? It's just animals. And she's like, who knows? Those animals could be my friends. And it just reminded me, I had like such intense flashbacks to like girl guide camps that I would go to where the leaders would constantly be yelling at us that it's not a fashion show because we wouldn't wear like, people would be like, no, I don't want to wear a bunch of layers because it's not cute. And they'd be like, it's not a fashion show. Don't get hypothermia. It, it just really, really sent me back. I know it's not an interesting story, but it was such a like visceral transportation for me that I was like, oh, no. <laughs> listen, listen, camp counselor Jane, I am going to have my titties swinging in this fishnet top and you can't stop me. I, I don't care if I freeze to death. That's that's. I don't dress inappropriately for the weather because of fashion. I just am very stubborn and refuse to admit that weather has any hold over me. And I always have been this way. So, you know, it's like, come at me from a different angle. Is Girl Guides like the same as Girl Scouts? Is that like the Canadian version? Oh, again, this is something where I think the States is the one with the different version than the rest of the world. But yeah, essentially. That's right, because Girl Scouts are, like, nationwide, and, like, Girl Guide is... I've, I've never heard Girl Guide in my life before, except for from you. Well, Girl Guide is the British one and the Canadian one. Okay. Yeah. I think I heard, like... I think I remember, like, there was something in Ireland about Girl Scouts a couple of years ago. I don't really remember, but there was some news story about it. Anyways, that's vague. Uh, so, yeah, then, like, they open the door, and Victor Trent is there with a bunch of his goonies, and... Well, actually, no, there's a really good line where uh, Rachel's dad's like, I don't know where you get your vanity from. And then he, like, looks into a mirror and, like, does like, his hair Like, he does his hair. It's really cute. And she's like, oh, I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> it's a good moment. And, you know, what? I, I was telling Seda at the end of this cold open that, like, I've turned a corner on this show, but I'll... We'll, we'll, We'll explain a little bit more. So they open the door and Victor Trent is there and he's got his goons. Uh, Victor Trent, secretly Visor 3, in case you forgot. Just so you know. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that makes the scene make a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. Did you not know? Uh, you know, there's so many characters. Yeah, it's like Game I of Thrones. Just like a guy. It kind of looked like he was pulling a wonton out of a ring box. And I was like, whoa. What, what? could this be? Oh, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, like a really bad like wonton. That. Yeah. 
Like, it, it looked, to me, it kind of looks a little bit more like, um, like eel. Like, if you made a wonton out of eel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so Visitor 3 kicks on the door and puts a yerk in Rachel's dad's ear, and then Rachel wakes up and it was a dream. Yeah, and we and get then this really like ten- lovely scene where she's yelling for her dad, and her little sister runs in and is like, hey... Our dad doesn't live here. And she's like, oh, right. And then she, her little sister's like, can I stay with you until you fall asleep? Which is so cute because it's not even like, hey, can I stay in bed with you because I'm scared? It's like, you're obviously having a bad night. Can I stay with you until you feel better, even though I'm five? Or, and it's just really, <laughs> really cute. It's so sweet. Yeah. It's just like, it's... It's a really real moment that I am fully expecting. I mean, Marco definitely has some moments of these, like in the books, especially because, like, he de- definitely does go into detail of, like, you know, shortly after the, um, shortly after the death of his mother, and he goes into some detail about some of the similar things happening to him that are happening to Rachel here. And it's very nice to see some moments like these in the show. And like I was saying, I have turned a corner on this show, and I think it's like good now. Hell yeah! I don't, I don't think it's great. I don't think it's great. It's, you know, it's no Game of Thrones. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but no, that's a joke. I hate Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> I fucking hate that garbage. I like the books, but the show is not good. Um, did you know that... Uh, okay, sorry. Brute tangent, but I just want to talk about the funniest fucking thing um, from the show last season. Uh, there is a point when two people are fighting, one of them whose genitals were forcibly removed, and... Um, like it's 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 Theon and just this other guy. I don't remember what the other guy's name, so I'm gonna call him James and Jameson. So um, Jameson tries to kick Theon in the balls, but he doesn't have any balls because they got forcibly removed. And so the kick does zero damage. He like does not feel any pain from it, and he just instead grins and it like activates his Super Saiyan button, and he beats the shit out of Jameson. And it's so like like okay, say that if you got kicked in like your thigh with a lot of force, right? Like, that would hurt, right? Like, you don't you don't have any genitals there whatsoever, as far as I know, at least. And if you do have them there, you have to tell me, because otherwise that's entrapment. But, um, if you got kicked in, like, the thigh, that would hurt, right? It would, like, di- it would, like, disorient you? Um, maybe. Like, if you got kicked in the thigh, like, really hard. Yeah, no, I understand your argument is that kicking hurts no matter what. Like, like, this is, like, like, even if someone's, like, even if it was, like, like, they were born, like, Ken doll smooth down there. Like, it would still kind of hurt the same way that, like, your armpit is kind of sensitive, I feel like. You know? Um, again, I understand that you're saying that kicking hurts. I just think that you're choosing really, really weird examples <laughs> to illustrate I mean, it. I just very much enjoyed the fact that it activated his Super Saiyan mode when he got kicked in the no dick and no balls. I feel like of all the parts on my body, the thigh is the place where a kick would hurt the least. Yeah, point. But... I do, I do, I do get what, what you're going for there. <laughs> I um, <But> I, <laughs> I accidentally I went to hang out with a friend, and his roommate was hosting a Game of Thrones watch party, and I generally am very good at letting people just enjoy things. This is the first time I've ever been. I was like hanging out in the room, and completely unbidden, I said, I think probably five times, um, I hate this show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I'm really, really Absolute not like legend. that. Like, I'm super not like that. I will just, like, grin and bear and let people enjoy things it, unless they're, like, you know, shitty and, like, a 
quote problematic type way, but like I just it just kept. Ha- Hi, buddy. Gerald. Gerald's got pinions. Oh, Gerald has Game of Thrones pinions. He sure does. Oh. Gerald, which season's your favorite? Wait, he can't hear me. You have headphones on. Yeah. Uh, can you ask Gerald for me which season is his favorite? Gerald, what Game of Thrones is your fa- He's clawing at the screen. Bud, don't. <laughs> no! I can hear him! Asshole. <laughs> um... Literally every time Gerald comes on this podcast, like, it's my favorite thing. Yeah. Like, I just fucking love him so much. He's about to really get into it because he's bugging my microphone again. Okay, so I believe at this point we got to the opening <laughs> credits. <laughs> just the, I'm sorry, the exasperation in your voice. <laughs> oh my god, one of these, someday, and, prob- and hopefully someday soon, I am going to meet Gerald. Absolutely. Fuck yes. He's really, really rowdy because it's spring, which means he wants to go outside. Um, So he's just screaming all the time at the door because he doesn't (laughs) understand what's good for him. Oh, buddy. Um, So, yeah, we get the title credit sequence. And Christopher, for the first time in 13 episodes, Christopher Ralph is credited in an episode that he appears in facially. Is that Tobias? Yes, that's Tobias. Yeah, okay. His voice shows up in every episode, but his face has not shown up since the pilot episode. Every episode is a strong, uh, strong description of how often Tobias is in the show. <laughs> um, I this show. There, well, the, the the second episode, he definitely was in it at the very end because everyone had forgotten about him, and like the last thing we hear before the credits is him and Thought Speak saying, "Hey guys, wait up!" Yeah. There's this show, one of the things I've noticed, I mean, we've, we've sort of commented on it in talking about how they have like nerdy interests in common. The show, I think just by virtue of the fact that you explore relationships in a different way, like passive relationships in a different way in writing as you do TV, the show has a much bigger emphasis on Marco and Cassie's relationship and it's really cute you mean Mark? Wait, Marco and Cass? Yeah. In this episode? Yeah, like you, um, you they have like an offside where like Marco is like, I hate nature, and he hits a bug, and Cassie like grabs oh, his yeah. shoulders and like shakes him jokingly, and is like, you could have acquired that morph. Like they just have these really nice offhand buddy buddy moments all the time, which you don't really get to see in the yeah, book they, as they... much because in writing you have to be explicit about it, whereas in the TV show they can just sort of show it. And it, I, it's really nice, yeah. and I, I like that they have that connection. When they're friends, it's good to me. Yeah, it's really nice. Actually, this I, episode this episode sort of explores Marco's friendships in the background in a way that I wasn't expecting. Like, there's some interesting... The yeah. Whole, yeah. The entire episode, in a way, is framed by Rachel and Marco's friendship um, in that... Uh, well, the next thing that happens essentially is that Rachel's dad comes to her and is like, hey, I got a job offer, but I'm moving super far away. I think that you should come with me. Your little sister will have to stay here, but you should come with me. And Rachel begins. Because the, um, it's the, uh, it's the, um, because of like the gymnast instructor, right? The gymnast teacher? Or was that, or was that in the books only? I think he mentioned that. 
Um, I mean, Did, it's I don't I don't remember if he specifically mentions it in the show, but it was just a justification anyway. Um, yeah. And she begins monologue. She begins talking to herself out loud, making a pros and cons list, which is very funny. And wouldn't have to hear Marco's bad jokes anymore. Yeah, exactly. Tempting. It's, he's the only person who she calls out by name. She's like, "Well, if I left, I wouldn't have to fight a war anymore." Listen, and I wouldn't have to hear dumb. Marco's jokes. And it's just, and then we'll get to the end of the episode. It sort of frames it in a nice way. But he's the only one who she, like, says anything about. Yeah, no, this is MLMWLW Solidarity 2 at its finest. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Um, and it's really lovely. So, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, so what happens next? Um, at this point, Rachel is struggling with the, this decision, and they go to... This is where we get the Marco and Cassie scene, where they're walking into the woods to try and find Axe and Tobias. Um, mm-hmm. There's sort of a uh, throwaway line about, like, yeah, I guess if you're a bird and a weird horse scorpion, you hang out in faraway locations. But I'm so fucking over trees, man. <laughs> Great. It's so good. It's he lovely. does very much say the fuck word there. By the way, Absolutely. they got that on. The, they got that. They snuck that on the air somehow. Yeah, they get one every three episodes, and this was their one uh, for these three. And Jake and Rachel are sort of talking about the logistics of Rachel theoretically moving, and they come upon a scene of Axe being kidnapped while Tobias sort of flutters around and yells a bunch. Yeah. And then there's a, there's a really good scene of Axe from the back, like, T-posing. Yeah. Essentially... Or not a scene, a shot. They have, like, a handful of human controllers sort of um, lasso him. <laughs> yeah. In it kind of looks like it kind of looks like people who got like rejected as chaperones for like the ch- the Chris the, the, the like the church's like the the church's weekend trip, you know? Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can work. I yeah. Okay. But, like the the woman specifically, she looks very much like someone who would like try to try very hard to be an upstanding member of the community, but just say just but just say swear words around kids a little bit too many times for the pastor to be okay letting her. You know, be in charge of the kids. That does sound like pretty much the sharing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. That's, that's sort of that's sort of really the aesthetic and mood of the sharing. Sorry, Gerald is very much screaming at the door again. Um, so the kids are all running and they're trying to. They're they're like it might be a trap, and obviously it's a trap. And they all get a net that falls down on them, a really big net. Uh. And Visser 3 calls them out for, like, why are you in your pathetic human form? Ha ha ha. I do have a question, which is, do they, does, does Visser, does Visser see their human forms at any point in the book? Because it seems very much like he would have actually seen their faces in this moment. And that seems like, oh, shit, the jig is up. He hasn't yet. But didn't he in this episode? No, no, no. Like that net was very thick, and he was very far away. I guess he. It would have been a very obstructed view, especially considering what happens next. Because the Elemis shows up, and he summons his stand the world, and shouts Zawardo, and then makes a fart noise. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Gerald. Can I help you? 
Um, yeah, the Elemist is here, guys. That fucking asshole. <laughs> this stupid blue centrist. God, he just is. He's just a fucking centrist. I hate him. I like, it's nice that he, you know, helps the kids in this roundabout way a couple times through the series and whatever. But like, I'm just, I'm done with this dude. It's just like that sunny screen cap where they're all pointing at the picture frame and it's just the me and it's only me and it's the Elemist. I'm fucking done with this dude. I'm sick of him. I hate him. I don't know why he gets to me so much. It's just like you have this power and you're just like, ooh, instead of actually helping, I'm going to do some japes and make you help yourself. Go fuck you. Just help. Just commit to... sucks ass and he looks like Scott adds it on The Rock. anything. Or on 30 Rock. Yeah. Not The Rock, 30 Rock. Yeah, he does. And that's... That's okay. But... Yeah, that's fine. Scott adds on The Rock isn't terrible to look at. Yeah. Actually, no, he... He kind of looks like, um, the, uh, remember Ted from, uh, from Scrubs, the lawyer? No. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I believe you. Um, I... Was that also Scott Adsit? I don't know. Could be. I feel like he was, oh, he definitely was in Scrubs, I think. That's Sam, Sam Lloyd is who I'm thinking of from Scrubs. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I, we, we see, so, okay, the Elemist is here. Uh, time is frozen, except for all of our Animorph friends who get out of this net and start talking to the Elemist about why time is frozen. And he says, yo, humanity's on the brink of extinction or whatever, and I'm here to offer you a place in our alien zoo. And Tobias walks on the scene, and I have missed Tobias's perfect 90s hair so much. He's just oh got my that, god! He's his, got that his, middle his, part. Oh, yeah. He looks great. It's juicy. He is. He dumps every morning. He wakes up and dumps half a liter of gel into his hair to get it to stay at just that perfect downhang. Oh, what a handsome boy! It's great. Um, I will say so. As they're speaking with the Elmas, he lays out the deal that we're sort of familiar with at this point, which is, hey, uh, we we will go to. We'll, we'll take you guys, we'll take your family, we'll put you in our sanctuary. The rest of humanity, eh, can't do anything about that, but at least we'll save y'all. And they start talking with about this. Um, Rachel asks if Tobias will stay human, if Tobias will be able to be human again here. And I will say that because of Tobias's large absence on the show and just... How infrequently we not only see him, but the obviously relatively fewer insights we get into his inner life because he's hasn't really been a narrator in a really long time. The reveal of him being able to be human again is not as striking as it could be and as it is in yeah. the books um, because we haven't really seen him struggle with anything even in this episode they said they they could have hit it home a little bit harder with um he's very frustrated that he can't help axe when axe is being taken away but they probably could have hit that note a little bit harder to push home like how much he would be turning away if they don't accept this deal Mm -hmm. um which i think is is the only big character letdown I have in this, but I think that's that's sort of an ongoing 
grievance I have yeah, I with th- their treatment I, I, of Tobias. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's another issue that I have with this episode is how they like. I, I get that it's because of time constraints, but Rachel flips on this so fucking quickly. Like it's like, oh no, we have to, we we have to go, and then like her argument just like flips in an instant. Um, I can sort of accept that just because of what happens next being so specifically targeted at her. Yeah, um, that's that's fair, I guess. I don't think that I think that that's me doing the thing where I'm give I'm like putting my own meaning onto the show, not necessarily something that they wrote into it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Like, I think that's just what, kind of what we're doing as a whole at this point. Did you not get the memo? Is this, is that not what we're, is that not what we've been doing this whole time? I mean, it absolutely is, but I just like to call it out when it happens. Yeah. Um, we get, oh, this is our third, third, I believe Star Wars reference episode in, three in a episodes, row, yep. Uh, yep. which is really lovely because Marco points, uh, is talking about the Elemist, who absolutely, he is not wrong, does very much look like a stupid force ghost. And is like, yep. Obi-Wan over here, fucking show yeah, up. It, it's good. Yeah. I fucking love Marco. I really, really love Marco. And it's at this point that they get traveled to the future which we know because, uh-oh, they've slapped the grossest yellow filter I've ever seen in my entire life over the film. It's like if you took, it's like if you took the skylines of 50 episodes of CSI Miami and just, like, put them in, like, laid them on top of each other. It's so ugly. It's so nasty. It's just, and I get, they're trying to be like, ew, they made the whole planet super polluted and gross because they're yurks and the yurks have taken over the planet and they've made it ugly. Ew, no pollution. But it's just, it's just difficult to look at. Yeah. Um, Like, I kind of had to squint for that whole scene. Yeah. Oh, speaking of difficult to look at, we did skip over mentioning the fact that we've seen one of the worst morphs in the entire series thus far. Yeah, because Visitor 3 is in his lab, and it's just like, I think there's just like an establishing shot for this show now, where it's like, what's Visitor 3 up to cooking up in his lab this week, Animorphs? Yeah. And then, like, it goes to him, and he's, like, standing there with a different scientist lady, not the not the weird, like, Newman-esque one who's normally there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, what is this device that we no one has, I don't think we've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, if you could just turn into your Andalite form and try and press your hand in the box, I think it requires an Andalite handprint. And he's like, okay. And then we just get like a 10 second close up on his face as he does a genuinely grotesque, very difficult to look at transformation sequence. Yeah, because not only is the transformation gross, but he's just making these bizarre faces, I think to mimic... He sort of makes his mouth into like a tight O, like he's going, ooh, which I guess Mm -hmm. is to be like, oh, look, his mouth is going to turn into no mouth now. But just that combined with the way that his face is sort of stretching and pulsing is uh, not great. And then unfortunately, we do see it again later in reverse. Backwards. (laughs) Yep. And yep. by in reverse, we don't just mean that he turns back into his human form. Very much, it is literally the footage just rewound. Which, I mean, they they, have, enough, they, have, they don't you know? say to come on. $17, their budget is $17. They cannot really afford very much CGI. I understand. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's hard out there. It's just so blatant because of the faces he's making. 
Um, yeah. It makes it very, very I'm obvious. Like, if, if, he, if, he, if he had just been, like, stone-faced the entire time, I would have like, is that the same... I, I think that's the same footage, but I don't care enough to check. But like, because he's doing like, wow, wow, yeah. Like he's doing, he's doing like some, like some backstage warmups before he goes on stage. Absolutely, is make he's your face like, as small as you can like, and as big as you can. Yeah, we should do that before the podcast from now on. I'm always doing that. I have a very twitchy face. <laughs> that's just a little canon fact about me. Um, Welcome. Yeah, g- good to know. Good, good to know. Yep. That's canon. Put it, put it on the wiki. Put it on the wiki. The Wonder Yerks wiki. Seda twitchy as hell. <laughs> um, so we're in the future. Honestly, this is probably, honestly, Seda, this is probably just another paragraph in the Wikipedia page titled Seda is twitchy as hell. Because remember when you fidgeted with a ketchup packet for an entire episode? I didn't fidget with a ketchup packet for an entire episode. I fidgeted with a ketchup packet for about a minute and then realized that you could hear it on the recording and I threw it across the room. <laughs> There's also the thing where you were like spinning your phone in your hand, and then like I said, okay, I'm gonna start counting, and then you threw it across the room. I threw it. You throw a lot of things across the room. I don't have a lot of control over my body. (laughs) You are so valid. Uh, well, (laughs) you know, it's I'm just out here trying to pilot this thing. What are you gonna do? Speaking of piloting this thing. We see Rachel as a controller. Huh? Not bad. I, li- huh? I like that one. I liked that one, too. I like that segue. An adult Rachel oh. has developed an accent. Yeah, it's an accent and also, as apparently as apparently, kid Rachel notices, breasts. Because as soon as adult Rachel shows up and is like, I'm you, Rachel. She, Rachel is a, Rachel's sight immediately goes down to the chest. See, I thought, I thought that she was just judging her own outfit. Because she... She's wearing, like, a white pantsuit that I don't think Rachel Rachel would <laughs> would would choose. But you could, know what? could be both. Could be all. I think, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's neither of those. And mine is the funnier, the funnier way to interpret it. Yours is the more, like, canonically correct way to interpret it. Uh, I think my way's hilarious. And I'm not saying yours isn't hilarious. I'm just saying Rachel look. Rachel looked at her I own boobs. I think that if you look really, funny. really closely, you'll find that somebody looking at their own outfit is actually like a really good joke. <laughs> I mean, that, that's true. But I, I look at my. I, I never look at my own outfit, but I do look at my own boobs like all the time. Yeah. So it's a, it's much more relatable to me. Sure, but I just want to. You know, all, you know I, I really, I'm all about I, that. I'm all about that relatable millennial humor. The, sure. the hashtag millennial, that random stuff. You know. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, you heard of uh, Invader Zim? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. I went into a Mo- Hot Topic. Room? R- room I went into a Hot Topic last year, and they it was just full of Invader Zim stuff still. And I was like, that's cool. Are they still selling, like, exclusively Nightmare Before Christmas stuff, too? Well, it can't be exclusively, like, the, because the, I did just the, say the that soul- they had Invader Zim stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I meant to say, are they the exclusive distributors of Nightmare Before Christmas merchandise? Because no one else is buying that if they're not going into a hot topic. There was a lot of that, yeah. Um, just a lot of. God, that movie. That movie. That that movie is like fifteen years old, ain't it? It must be more than that. Yeah, let's just do a quick wiki search. Um, the kids confront Visser 3, who is now Visser 1 in the future. Oh, Seda, that, Seda, that movie is 25 years old. Yeah, that sounds more 
correct? Yeah. <laughs> Why did I think that movie came out after I was born? I don't know. Probably because you saw it after you were born? I, I don't know that I ever saw it. Oh, well, good news. If you watch it in the future, you'll still have seen it after you were born. So I'm not wrong. Well, what if I go back in time to like watch it in theaters? Then it'll be before I'm born. But also after I'm born? Yeah, see, this is the thing about fucking time travel that we're about to get into. Because this episode takes a very wild turn to, sol- to solve its problem. Yeah. Um, because but, but before because that, Kate Rachel grabs... Yeah, before that, they, they confront Visser, and they say, Visser 3, and he's like, I'm Visser 1 now. Uh, check out my left-hand man, and it, Rachel, adult Rachel comes out, and, and they so, sort of look at each other. Check out my left-hand whoop man, because yeah. Visser 3's all about respecting women. Visser 3, hire more female controllers. Um... <laughs> Can you can you put can you put emojis in episode titles because that is going to be the the, the name of this episode? <laughs> Perfect. I hope so. Uh, they sort of talk about like, ooh, where are the rest of the kids? What what happened to them? And they talk about how they ate Tobias uh, with barbecue with, with, sauce. With, I believe that the the exact intonation the exact intonation that Victor three uh, Victor Trent gives here is extremely good because he's like, I ate him with barbecue. Sauce. Yeah, it's great. And like he hits that cue, like he hits that cue, like Babe fucking Ruth hit in a line drive. Yeah, line drive is not what is that? What pitchers is that? What is that a baseball term? Line drive. Why would I know that? Line drive. <laughs> and uh, line no, a line drive is okay. So the, the only way that makes sense is if someone like if someone used their bat to hit a baseball towards Babe Ruth and then Babe Ruth hit that line drive because the line drive is after happens after you hit a ball. I mean, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> that would be fucking baseball elevated. Yeah. I, I mean, think that basically that, can is... we, that would be baseball volleyball, which I am into. Just people on I oh my god, just people. So we set up a net in the middle of the baseball field. Maybe we set up four nets, and we've got one team in the middle and one team on the outside. No, the t- one team is split, half in the middle, half on outside, and then they're trying to pass it back and forth with their baseballs. Can't touch it with their hands. Has to be with your bat and. Uh, the other team's trying to take bases, but also trying to... We're going to have to workshop this. Maybe both teams have to be split. Maybe there are four teams and two of the teams have alliances. Ooh, that could be great. And then you've got the team, like teams A and B, one on the inside, one on the outside, and teams C and D, one on the inside, one on the outside, and C and D are aligned, and A and B have an alliance, and then they're hitting baseballs over, back and forth over the nets with their bats, and they're taking bases, and then maybe they also have to throw the bases over. I don't know. I just invented a sport. You're welcome. <laughs> Sandy, can I please get, like, a drawing of this from you? I just want to, like, because you sang four nets and two on, teams on the inside and outside. I am so confused, but I need to see this because I love it. Yeah, okay, I'll diagram it for sure. Hi, it's me, John Sport. Hi, it's me, Jane Sportsman. I, I, I'm the commissioner of all sports. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry. I'll diagram it. I'll uh, I'll put some arrows in there so you know which way people are going. I'll design cool. a uniform. Uh, I will be the first one-person cheer squad for it, and 
you will not Two-person bitch, you know I'm there day one. You know I am there day one on that Uh, cheer squad. Sure, if you audition. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch! I was about to make it illegal for anybody else to cheer, and then you came in with that, and I've got to have ground rules. Oh! Listen, you can be a commentator. You'll be a great color commentator, because you were here for the... For the start of the sport, you'll have all the inside info. There have to be boundaries. Never was pretty enough to make the cheerleading squad. (laughs) It's not about looks, it's about skill and spirit. It's mostly about spirit, because that's the one of those uh, things that I have. (laughs) Now see, see, and that's perfect for you, because you are a ghost, and that's how you can show that spirit. I'm a ghost. You're, you're, you're. Say that. You, my running theory about you, about you being like an ethereal ghost that is trying to like just just exist solely to put to inject chaos into the internet. I didn't realize I was a ghost. I thought I was like a fairy or something. Yeah, you you oscillate between a fairy and a ghost depending on how like the the theory is today. Today you're a ghost. Okay. Yeah. I'm down with that. If I Can Touch Anything, EP by People You Meet Outside of Bars, available on Bandcamp.com. Pay what you want. It's an EP about a ghost who's in love with the woman whose house she's haunting. Uh, Gaygothvibes.online. So, Kid Rachel It's a good fucking album. There's a a good music video. (laughs) Seda put put out a very good music video for it. Uh, A couple of months ago? I liked it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. I did a version of it for the YouTube. Um, Kid Rachel grabs a knife from Wait, so hold on. Is that... is that the same YouTube channel where you did where you do like your joke videos? Like, is that like your serious channel and also like your shit post channel? No, I've got two. Okay, I was I, I was cons- I was just not concerned, but like just curious. Yeah, I I kind of have these things separated. Um, I've put all the cool jams about like, you know, my Wonderwall parodies and my songs about how when i'm really sad i delete social media because it's like dying um but you know with less pressure i put those on like the fun channel because obviously that was a really really that's fun the concept fun channel? <laughs> that's the fun channel social media death is the saddest thing i've heard like that's the saddest thing set of words that i've ever heard come out of your mouth I'm actually gonna cry a little. Like, say that I, I want to just come over there and like give you a hug. Like, that's the I've never felt sadder for anyone. And like, okay, that can't be true because last week when you messaged me, hey, do you want a podcast? I said, okay, sure, but I woke up crying. Oh no, that's right. Oh, Sada, it's a close second. Oh, honey. Rachel grabs a knife from adult Rachel <laughs> and <laughs> tries to stab Visser 3 with it. Um, and this is when we get into some time travel shenanigans that I do absolutely have a hundred questions about, maybe a thousand, because as soon as she tries to stab Visser, they get time traveled back to modern times and they're back in the, they say, yo, no, Elemist, we don't, we don't want your deal. We don't want to go to human zoo. And they're back in the net, and Rachel still has the knife from this future. So, we, have a, we establish 
in their conversation with the Elamist that this future is not predetermined. It is just one of many possible futures. It's a likely future, but it's not the only one that could happen. So we know there are theoretically timelines, or at least that the future is not is 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 mutable. Um, and so that's one fact we know about the time travel here. Mm-hmm. The concept that you could go forward to a potential future and bring back a physical object it's very much hand waved away later by being like i guess the elemis wanted us to have it just think of my first thought is just resources so imagine you have somebody in a room and you're just making them do actions every single action that they do creates a new timeline you go into that timeline you bring back resources you go you get coal you get whatever the fuck electricity is made out of <laughs> um you get fossil fuels all of the things that we're running out of you get food i don't know um all of these different timelines and you're just robbing from the futures without knowing which future you're going to get to and just hoping that you're not stealing from yourself seda seda yeah? i i just the 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 speed at which your brain works genuinely fascinates me because like I would have had to take like a couple of days to come to that conclusion if I was thinking exclusively about this for like if I was thinking exclusively about this and you just like you snapped that off it's been less than an hour since we watched the episode and you just came up with you just thought about you just thought that up it was the first like, that thing I thought of <laughs> holy I think shit it's also interesting if you think about inventions okay let's say that you want say that I fucking love you. <laughs> Let's say you wanted to build something. You wanted to build a machine or you wanted to... Oh, in the development of AI, it could be really interesting. You have somebody sit down. You have them start working and you... Oh, no. You have 100 people sit down. You have them all start working in different directions to develop an AI or develop a technology. You go into every single one of their timelines. You find out which one was successful. And not only do you then not have to work towards it, you then just bring that technology back with you. And then, of course, that opens even more timelines... And now my, my question here is that like, are you as a time traveler, like, are you like sliding up and down a scale or like when you go to the future, is there like a future you that you need to worry about running into? Or is it just like, is it like X-Men Days of Future Past style where like whenever, if you go to the past, it's just your current consciousness jumping into past you's consciousness or like, you know, f- like swapping kind of like zero escape virtues last reward style. Well, if we're going by the rules that are set up in this episode, you have two you have different you have separate phys- bodies you have separate bodies that are both physical forms because i it wouldn't i would understand if maybe she was like project almost like a hologram like if kid rachel was a hologram in the future that would make sense to me but she's obviously physical because she grabs something they're obviously existing on the same plane of existence they're not in like separate planes that are intersecting or anything they're obviously on the same plane because they touch they physically interact with the same object so by those rules, and we don't know that traveling into the past is, I mean, I assume it is possible because the Elemist is all powerful, but in this episode, we don't see the evidence for it. So I don't know about jumping into the past, though I, I just assume like extrapolating from what we see in this episode, it would also be, um, it would also be a separate physical body. But again, the thought that you can physically remove something from a different timeline i think that probably traveling into the past would be disastrous because you could just yeah. like move things but again if if 
and it is obviously different timelines, then I guess you just end up in different timelines and you're just shifting. And then that makes me think of like what sort of cosmic energy is caused by like if you go back in time and you move something, like let's say you move a rock so that fucking whatever, I don't know, you you prevent an assassination by taking somebody's gun. Um, is there like some sort of cosmic energy that's created by like that timeline shifting into another timeline, like shifting into the timeline that where that gun was never there? And also if you could harness that. Um, Seda, I think it's really interesting that you're, uh, you, I, I'm really glad you brought this essay written by Gen Urobuchi to us today, but, uh, I think we spent enough time on it. Okay. That, no, I'm sorry, that, sorry, that was a, that was a bad joke because, do you know who Gen Urobuchi is? Nope. He wrote Madoka Magica and that's, that, like, the last five minutes there of, like, the stored up energy of going back in time to prevent an assassination is, like, that's literally the cornerstone thesis of Madoka Magica. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's... It's a show that's that's much gayer than the host than the creator originally meant it to be. Ah, yeah, they often are. Mm-hmm. So Rachel cuts them out of the net <laughs> with her future knife. Um, ooh, do you think it's like a no? Sorry. Okay, but okay. Here's the thing. In this, time, <laughs> is it the same knife? Like, does Rachel then theoretically grow up and become a controller and it's the same knife that she stole from herself? See, I don't know. I don't think that makes sense because of timelines. Except, I guess you can have both a closed loop and a time... Doctor Who does it all the time, though fuck their... Whatever their time travel rules are, they're garbage. Um, They all run away. The Animorphs escape. (laughs) And they go get Axe. And Axe is in the back of the truck. This is the best episode of anything I have ever been on. Um, Marco, I actually missed this, like, they, so Rachel and Marco hop into the back of this truck that has Axe, like, passed out in it, and he can't move, and Marco's like, I'll take care of it, jumps into the truck, and there's no key, but then the truck starts moving, does he, like, find a key? I missed, I missed a very important point, obviously. (laughs) Honestly, I when I saw this, I was just thinking of that part in the first Megamorphs book where uh, he turns into Big Jim in order to drive a truck down the road. Oh my god, yeah. That's oh, that's really it's, funny. The books are so fucking good. Yeah. Um, God, have we seen Big Jim in the show yet? No, I don't think so. What the hell? Where is Big? Where is Where is Large James? I don't know. Maybe they couldn't. They couldn't get Monkey. Hmm. Anyways, so they crash, and then Rachel turns into a lion and roars to scare off all the other controllers. Yep, it works. Because okay, because so they way too well. The, my que- okay, I got a big question here. Did they, like what was their contingency plan if Axe or Tobias or anyone had noticed them sneaking up? Because there is no way you were getting a lasso on an alert andalite with their razor sharp tail and razor sharp mind at the ready. You are not gonna be, like. Do they have like? Because, like, if they, didn't have any, if they didn't have any backup, then what the fuck are they doing? Visor 3 deserves to get shit-canned. Like, uh, like he deserves to be as incompetent as Visor 1 makes him look every time they run into each other. But if they did have a backup plan, why didn't they bring it with them when they were chasing after the, andal- the, the Animorphs? Yeah, no, it's nonsense. And, like, the, the fact... Okay, and also, as the human controllers are running away, they're not like, Ah, they morphed. They're like, A lion! Ah! You guys know you're chasing Animorphs, right? You shouldn't be surprised when a random animal shows up. 
You can't okay, be like, oh, there's, there's a lion in this forest. Oh, no. I didn't. Oh, bye. No. You know, I got no, you I know got what another, you signed up for. I have another question. Mm-hmm. Adult Rachel just had that knife on her belt loop, right? Yeah, I get. She had it attached to her in some way. It wasn't in a. It wasn't in like a holder or anything, though. So she must just be nicking her fingers every time she's trying to put her hand in her pockets. Yeah, <laughs> this is kind of like a weird decision for. I mean, obviously for Rachel, but like for a future where you control the entire world. Like, why do you need a pocket knife? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it doesn't make any sense logistically for several reasons. One of which, yeah, they're like fascist dictators who own the entire world i don't know why they would need weapons in general but specifically a knife like surely she would have like a gun (laughs) or something right (laughs) but i guess like that i can see i can you you can't have like like a flat maybe maybe she's got like a flashlight or something yeah but you can't cut your (laughs) (laughs) i mean like the Dracon beam. Say that yeah. the Dracon beam. I'm not just saying she has like a tactical flashlight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why would they? Surely they would have like sci-fi weapons. I don't know. It, yeah. Like a Drake. Like a Dracon beam. Yes. Exactly. It's very bizarre. Or at least like a laser sword. You know. <laughs> not like a knife that looks already old. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, Wait, hold on. There's a reason that it looks so old. Because it's been living this time loop forever. Yeah, I think that's true. That, that's canon. Yeah. Um. So let's wrap this up. They get out, and then, like, Rachel is, like, having a talk with her dad. And her dad's like, you're not coming with me, are you? And she's like, no, sorry, dad. I got shit and then Marco, And then Marco and Tobias come out of the woods, and they're like, well, guess you're staying after all. Yeah. It's and a really good mark. It's a really good moment. It's really lovely, and I specifically liked it. Again, I understand that this is me overrating into something, but yes, same, same. But it's um, it's great that they single out Marco and Rachel for this moment because other than to like they are the two other than Tobias, they're the two remaining human kids who would have the most to gain from from the Elemists. Uh, deal, which Offer, was basically yeah. like I can, I can, I can return your families to you. The two of them have the most to gain from that, um, and so it's nice that. Well, no, that's not true. That's not true. Other Tom. than Tobias. Well, yeah, but like, I, I think, I think, I think, just in the strictest sense of things, like, Ra- like Rachel's absentee father is probably better than like Tom's beloved brother no longer being in control of his body whatsoever um i don't know i think it's debatable but yeah i don't know if i agree with that and but but i understand where you're coming from but also i guess then i could go more specifically the two kids with the parent shit who would yes who would sort of have their their uh their family return to normalcy in that way i think it's nice that they get to have a moment where they're like well, we sure did make that choice, huh? And they sort of punch each other in friendly ways, which is really sweet. I imagine. And then Rachel's like, "The Elemist was not on. Was not a centrist after all. He was a real leftist. He gave. He let me keep this knife. He let me take this knife. I imagine that Rachel and Rachel and Marco communicate a lot through punching. 
I think they probably punch yeah. each other's arms a lot. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so it's nice to have that little moment. And Marco's excuse for why he was, like, lurking by Rachel's house is, I was walking my bird. <laughs> it's a good really It's funny. a good one. And Tobias is like, hey, I, just so you know, I am here. You won't see me for the next three minutes, but I'm here. And then he just goes silent because we can't afford bird pay. We can't afford ADR either. Yeah. Too bad. <laughs> and then Rachel has like a closing monologue. And it was like uh, over the end credits, there's like a next time on Animorphs. We're moving to the Niccolo zone with a double feature. And there's like a, wow. a call sign for like a weird character, like for like a weird character that I'm assuming like, um, like kids WB had this, had this like rotating cast of hosts. I specifically remember one being a dirty sock. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know either, but they did have that. But, it, it, like, it's just, like, I'm assuming it's, like, the O in the nickel O zone because it's, like, hang out with O. And then, like, I'm assuming O cuts in and it's, like, woohoo! Mm-hmm. And then that's that's the episode. Yep. You know, I, I liked it. I, I got to say, I'm turning a corner on this. It's definitely because we are putting way too much into this show, way more than the, uh, than the original scriptwriters actually did. But I like it. Yeah, that's fine. That's just how I experience media, so... I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And also, with any show, you always have to give it, you know, a few episodes to find its feet. Um, and there, uh, there's a, a few to... or ten. Yeah. Yeah. One or ten, yeah. Uh, so we didn't get any questions this week. Mm-hmm. So shame on everyone. Uh, so I guess we just move straight into plugging our shit and saying we're and getting out of here. Because if you want to find us, you can check us out on... Uh, at the Wonder Yorks on Twitter or the Wonder Yorks at gmail.com. We are, um, if you uh, want to support the show, patreon.com slash fearbaiting supports this and our sister podcast, Fear Baiting, which is a queer horror movie podcast. Um, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, I'm going to read off the patrons that we have because we have patrons. View all current patrons. Thank you, Patreon. You put that button right there. At, for, for, at $10 a month, you get to demand that we watch a movie. And these the people who, de- who have yet to demand a certain movie that we watch include Michael Kaiser, Sophie, Catherine J., and Alec. Though Alec's been on, like, five episodes by now, so, like, I, I don't know if they've got anything left in the tank. Also, also reward also, also at the $5 level, who you, where you can give us a message that you can that you force us to say on our podcast, Paul Bechtel and Twitter user Lauren Altergeist. Thank you very much for your support, folks. Um, if you can't support us financially, no problem. Lights will stay on no matter what. Uh, but you can support us, uh, by rating, reviewing the show on iTunes. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Helps get our numbers up. You know, talking about the show, all that stuff, you know, we can't afford to advertise. I'm just pulling up the McElroy line here. You know, we don't, we don't pay to advertise the show anywhere. So, uh, your, the, the community support is really helpful. Um, but, 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 I, uh, if you want to find me specifically, I am at Chiesato, nope. Gay, at Gayest Lulu on Twitter or chiesatsunakas.tumblr.com. Uh, I also do another podcast, a leftism podcast, called Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die. Uh, it's very good. And I was also uh, a guest, and I was also an interviewee on an episode of In Pursuit of Passions, where I talked about uh, my, I talked about transformation. And my ass is entirely out, and I'm warning you about this in advance. It's a good, I think it's a very good interview. I think Emily did a great job interviewing me. It is a horny, epi- it is horny. We do talk about horny things. So just, you know, <laughs> be aware. There before the grace, there before the grace go I. Go, go, live your, I'm living my best life, live yours. <laughs> 
Yay. I'm on Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, nudity uh, with an E-A instead of a Y. I do music as people you meet outside of bars. You can find my stuff uh, on Bandcamp at www.gaygothvibes.online. I've got a Patreon for that. You'll find all the links. It's all there. I got stuff. I've always got stuff going on. I got a project coming down the line right now that's incredibly stupid, and it is music related, and it is going to be very, 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 very dumb. I'm 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 pumped. Yeah. All right, and that's going to do it for this episode of The Wonder Years, folks. Uh, we'll be back in one week. And, oh, I was also going to mention, Blair is fucking back in, like, three weeks. Woo! So, like I said, I, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. We are going to put the put our review on the sh- of the show on hold. We are going to have Seda join us permanent as a permanent fixture to continue reading the books because Seda has read along thus far. Mm-hmm. And I am so fucking excited to get back into the books. Me too. It's really sad because I was, like reading them uh along with the show like i'd already planned on rereading them and then you started the show and i was like that's a cool excuse and i caught up and then the show stopped and you invited me to come on the show as a host so i had to stop reading so that i can like read with y'all and i just want to start mm-hmm. fucking reading the animorphs again so i'm pretty ready <laughs> yeah oh all right well until next week i'm sarah and i'm seda and remember, keep your hand on the Escafil device. You can find more musical samplings like that at gaygothvibes.online. <laughs> 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 <laughs>